to me. No. Says Ronnie. No Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, though. Yeah, Merry Christmas for us. It's not for those listening anymore. Nope, it'll be three days, four, six days. <laughs> I'm gonna have to edit all that out. No. I don't know. I just guessed how many days it would be until this episode comes out. Seven days. Seven days. What's today? Today's Christmas. Yep. Milk Friday? Yep. Oh, yep. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> huh. It'll be exactly a week. Oh, New Year's Day. Yep. So we're doing this. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Happy New Year's. I know. What yep. are we doing New Year? Being glad that it's not 2020. Mostly. Yes. I mean,. I don't think things are going to change overnight, but at least there's hope. Yep. Like, I mean, some things might change overnight, according to our history of what we thought would happen, perhaps. But, uh, no, I don't think there will be anything different. I think everybody's hoping there will be, like, oh, what do you know, 2021, there's no pandemic. Right, coronavirus, we have a vaccine, but it just cured itself. Yep. Right. So. Anywho. Anywho. How was your week? Good. I worked. I haven't been feeling all that well, but YOLO. Um, yeah, and then here we are, Christmas Day. Do you have a good Christmas? I did have a good Christmas. Merry Crispin. Why do the dogs insist on doing butt stuff every time we're trying to record? I don't know, and they're doing, like, making spaghetti noodles with their mouths. This is awful. <laughs> She's like, this is the moment I'm going to eat a meatball sandwich. Yes. Right now. So you had a good Christmas? I had a very good Christmas. Me I too. spent it with you. So Woo-hoo-hoo. Yeah. Best Christmas. I had a good one too. Yeah? Yeah. How was your week then? Great. Yeah? Yeah. That's good. A long week of work, but it was pretty average. So Yeah. I just our I feel like our no, I'm not gonna say anything, never mind. Okay. <laughs> things get kinda of crazy around the holidays. Yeah, I was just like gonna say for our job, it just gets things get crazy during the holidays. It's it's usually Either super quiet or the total opposite. Yeah. So oh. hell breaks loose and you're wondering why people aren't just enjoying their holidays. Yep. I mean, we didn't leave the house today and it was phenomenal. Yeah. You know, it didn't happen. No cops got called. Yeah. No fire got called. No, we did not have a fire. We did not have any medical emergencies, nor did we need the police. Nope. So. Anywho. Macy, you can blink twice if you need the police. Well, if I blink 12 times. I don't know. Really fast. It's okay. like six times two, so that means you really, really need help. <laughs> it's a podcast, so nobody will know. I know. That's why I said. <laughs> I'm the only one that can help you, and I'm probably the one that you're trying to run away from. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, should we get into it? Mm-hmm. Cool. So, what are you drinking real quick? Wine. What kind of wine, though? Boxed wine. But what kind of boxed wine? Oh, God, what's it called? I don't know, but it has Al Capone on it. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Big House wine, I think. Maybe. Because it's a play on being in the Big House and Al Capone. Uh, yeah, so it's a red wine by them. It's the Al Capone one. And it's really red. Yeah, it's kind of dry, but it's not super dry. It's, it's just dry not enough as for sweet me. as I would like it to the, be. The wine that Sammy prefers is... Um, <laughs> it's really not even considered grape wine. juice. It is basically... Red wine that is the sweetest thing you can find, and it's slightly carbonated. So, so it's juice. Is juice carbonated? Do you? Some. What juice do you drink that's carbonated? Sparkling juice. Oh, like for the holidays? I'm thinking of cranberry juice. No, of all the juices, that's I love the one cranberry you go juice. To? 
Creamy juice is so good. Mm. Yum, yum, yum. Gross. I love it. Nope. That's probably why I like Cosmos. Oh, I gross. love cranberry juice. And cranberry grape juice mixed together. It's just a sugar nightmare, isn't it? Yes. And my blood <laughs> loves it. <laughs> my blood loves it. I don't know. Where does sugar go in your body? I Everywhere. just imagine it goes in your blood. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And technically, yeah. Yeah, because when you get your blood drawn, they get to tell you if you're, like, diabetic or not. Yep. Anyways. <laughs> Enough about so anyways, my diabetes. My wine is too whiny for yes. her. Yep. What are you drinking? I'm drinking an apple whiskey with Sprite. Yep. Yep. Good shit. Super good shit. This is probably as, like, two ingredients, and that's it. Like, that's... Usually I need, like, a third before, like, the alcohol gets cut just enough where I can't taste it. Mm. But this apple whiskey... Oh, it's so good. You can't even taste the, the whiskey. Courtesy of my brother and his lovely wife. Yes. Thank you for opening up my world to apple whiskey. Heck yeah. So good. Good stuff. Yep. Well... Yeah, let's get into it now. In light of uh, the new year and the day that this is coming out, we're going to be talking about Y2K. Do you remember Y2K? Um, No. Not at all? Not at all. I do. I feel like we... I, I mean, my parents didn't really celebrate things. My dad always had to go to bed early for work, so we always went to bed. So I, think I that's feel probably like your did. dad would have been like on board with this, though, a little you bit. Know, I meant to call him before. I meant to ask mine, too. And I just yeah, didn't. but I totally forgot. So maybe we'll do a little update next week about what our parents remember from Y2K, because we were, what, seven? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I remember going to a New Year's Eve party with some like family friends. And we, I remember vaguely talking about it, uh huh, because we were playing like a radio station, and the DJs would talk about it and things like right. that. I don't know if my parents thought it was a thing or not, or if the people whose house we were at did. Yeah, I'm gonna guess not, but I have no idea. I feel like if they did, they wouldn't be having a party, or they would want to be with friends when they died. I don't know. I don't think. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I was like, okay. I don't know. I'll be honest. I'm not sure. My guess is no, that they didn't, they thought it'd be fine, which yeah. <clears throat> was correct. So, anyways, let's get into it. Tell yeah? me about it. So, Y2K is short for the year 2000, and it was this scare that happened pretty much worldwide um, about basically going from 1999 to the year 2000. Computers were created in the 1960s to look at years as a two-digit number, so in binary code, and they did that um, to save on data storage because that was, like, a huge issue. Like, all these computers, when they were first out, if you look back, they took up entire rooms, and most of that was... a little chip. Yeah, most of that was data storage, and now in our hands on our phones, we have, you know so much more storage than they had in an entire room back then so that was a huge concern so they turned everything into binary code which means two digits so they only kept the two the last two digits of the year within like computer software when 1999 turned to 2000 the computer would only see zero zero and the computer wouldn't know if that meant the year 1900 or the year zero or the year 2000, or the year yeah. 20, 
I guess that doesn't make sense. 3,000? 1,800? There we go. It was just yeah. like a bunch of zeros, so it's like people were concerned that it didn't think it was going to register it as right. the next year, I guess. And, and by that time, there, like everything was so dependent on computers, less so than it is now, but more yeah. so than it had ever been before. Right. So yeah, so they thought that the computers wouldn't be able to process the new date and would like explode or just stop working everything would shut down nobody knew what would happen basically but they basically went to the worst case possible mm-hmm. um computer coders recognized the problem in 1996 and realized every single computer had to be reprogrammed which is a huge task right in 1998 the first imac was created so computers really hadn't come a long way compared to now they still had to have, like, a closed phone line to use the internet, so, like, the dial-up yep. noise was common in every household. I remember it not fondly. I remember my parents were so angry because I kept wanting to be on the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. <laughs> that was your... <laughs> that was my thing. That was your thing. That was all I wanted my, to do. My thing was this computer game that we got out of the dog food bag from, like, Purina. <laughs> it was... It's not the cereal box. It's the dog food bag. It was this like computer disc game. (laughs) (laughs) And it came in the like Purina dog food and it was like a dog show. So I would (laughs) It's a dog show. (laughs) Cool. I was thinking that like I got games like Roller Coaster Tycoon and stuff like that. I from, got the like, free one from the cereal box. Yes. But my mom would never, and Sims, my mom would never let me get the paid one, so I was always bored. Mm. Anyways, <laughs> dog food games. Um, I don't think that had anything to do with the internet either, so it really wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> you're, just like, you're just like, yeah, the game I used to play. I can make play. this dog jump. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Walk, doggy, walk. But do it pretty, because this is a dog show. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So, the internet required a phone line in the house still. So, at the time, people who didn't understand the basics of computers, um, this seemed like a huge problem to them. Like, a much bigger problem than, in hindsight, it really was. Everything was ran by computers, and they thought that all the computers were going to fail. And this... Uh, went all the way to streetlights and bank accounts and mortgages, social security, food stamps, literally everything. Like people Ever- rely on that stuff yeah. every day. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all, like, fake. Like, if you look at your bank account, it's not like there's a physical account or, like, a physical box that has the amount of money that's in your bank account in it. It's right. all, like... Digital. Yes, it's yeah. all theoretical. Yeah. I think about that a lot. It blows my mind. kind of freaks me out. Do you want to just not have a bank account? Just pull our money out and sometimes, just put it under a mattress? No, sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I think about my bank account and I think, what if I just made this all gold? <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, I'm like, I don't oh. even know how I would do that. How would I pay my mortgage? And then I just go back to sleep. <laughs> That's the most ridiculous. <laughs> what if I made all my money gold? <laughs> You'd have one gold bar. <laughs> I don't I know, know how much gold is worth. 
That's probably why I stopped thinking about it, because I'm like, oh, well, that just makes me sad. All I have to do is carry around this one gold bar. And that's just like, all my full gold bar. It's like three quarters. I know. Man, isn't that sad? This is the most ridiculous thing. Forget Y2K, it's this. (laughs) Macy's theoretical bank account (laughs) turned gold. Your fear. God. Um, <laughs> Senator Bob Bennett from Utah brought his concerns about Y2K to the Senate in 1996, and after that, a Senate panel was created in 97, which um, they requested proof from several government agencies, including the FDIC, which has to do with banking, the SEC, which is like the stock market. Um, they basically required proof that these companies and... and um, programs were preparing for y2k and they're like uh we're not really doing that yeah we don't have which part of me is like i don't know why they would have and then the other part of me is like well what if some other disaster happened and they have no yeah backup plan i think when i was listening to sinisterhood they had mentioned about how like a lot of these companies like at&t i think they said like had been interviewed and they're like what's your like plan for a disaster and they're like we don't have one and like that's concerning for like a natural disaster you don't have any way to like back up your data or this or that but yeah they had said that AT&T didn't have any backup plan for disasters and it's kind of like for For nothing like not just this like hypothetical oh god what how do computers work kind of like if a hurricane took over their databases like they don't have any plan I to, know. like, recover that? That's concerning. But yeah. I'm sure this kind of shaped people. Or Probably. companies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This and, like, 9-11. Oh, yeah. Katrina. I yep. bet now, like, they've all got, like, bug out bags and everything. Yeah, like, totally. <laughs> bug company out bags. These ex- company execs <laughs> are, like, ready for anything. Mm-hmm. Um, So the panel concluded that up to 40% of the country could lose power Due to the bug, I don't know how they determine that. I don't either, but that's what. Or were they saying like if all the computers were wiped out, this is what would happen to power? In 1998, uh, Bill Clinton made the Council on Year 2000 conversion. A man named John Koskinen. Sick. A man named John Koskinen, a crisis management expert, was the head of the council, but he had no idea what to do because this was the first time this issue had ever come up and there was no, like, here's the manual on this. Like, (laughs) there's nothing. It's like, this is what we did last time, so this is what you should do again. This is what worked. This is what didn't work. (laughs) Like, whatever. So, according to John, the three most vulnerable things were air traffic control, finance, and telecommunication systems. Fair. He thought that ATMs would fail and trap some people's money. Interest rates would be super fucked up because those are calculated daily. Yeah. Sinisterhood talked about that, too, which made me really upset. Because, <laughs> like, like... they determine your interest rate every day? Based off, like, some dudes, like, meet up and they're like, well, I guess it'll be this today. Yeah. What? It's bullshit. Everything's made up. Yep. It's just, like, who's lying? <sighs> Oh God! Uh, transportation like airlines were also going to be fucked with uh, because scheduled flights and time was important, and it was all um, like nothing was on paper; everything was on computers. Right, just like, like air traffic now. control. How are they keeping track of the planes? 
How would they communicate? technology. Yes. How would they communicate with the planes through technology? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, the U.S. was super freaked out. Taking it seriously was, like, actually concerned about the threat, which is surprising considering this year. Yeah. The way we take things seriously. Things seriously. Along the lines of technology failing and causing people to really worry about it, in the 90s, the late 90s, Russia's entire nuclear weapon system was designed to launch a strike even if it even thinks it's under attack, which is terrifying. Yeah. If there's, like, a bird that, like, enters the system, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> go, 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 go. Kill everything. <laughs> Can you imagine? No. That's why it's probably that terrifying. Would be, that would be more of a fear for me. Than the computers going down. Yeah, than losing all your money. Yes, that something shows up in Russia's radar and we get smoked. Yeah, true. Um, so, would the Y2K bug glitch make their systems fire off missiles, which... No. It's so scary. I don't think... Yeah. I think about that all the time, too, though, because that could happen anytime. Like, with North Korea? I feel like bugs can get... I don't know. Or, like, hacks... Oh, yeah. Oh, People yeah. can hack into whatever the fuck they want now. Have you listened to Quick Derailment here? There's an episode that M does on And That's Why We Drink. And she does... Or, I'm sorry. They do it on Anonymous. Mm-mm. Have you heard of this? The group Anonymous? <laughs> oh, my God. There's things about the group that I didn't even realize until they covered it. And I was like... Right? In deep, like, worry. And, like... <laughs> I feel bad for M because, like, they're the one covering it. So, like, they're making themselves a possible target. Right. And it was just, like, everything was just, like, oh, why yeah. are we doing this? Yep. They could totally do it. 100%. If anybody could, they could. Easily. Yep. Apparently, Russia did set off uh, some missile launches that were detected by the U.S., but they were planned and they weren't, like, a Y2K thing. Um and then at the end of the millennium, people were expecting something crazy, like, religiously. Okay. So, like, culty stuff. Yeah. I don't know, maybe Jesus would come back. Yeah, of course Jesus would Or what would have back. you. Of it's been 2,000 years since he's been reborn. Yep. Is that how it works? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember. After Christ. That's all I know. I uh, know. After death? Before Christ, after death. It's not AD, is it? Oh, shit. God. It is. How did we... How did I make it through college? I don't... Did you take a... Did you graduate in Christianity? I took... My first major was actually in philosophy and religion. Oh. So. <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> so, yes, but I switched to psych, so... It makes more really sense. Matter. Um, in 1299, uh, which... If you remember, we're talking about 1999. So, in 1299, in anticipation for 1300, 200,000 people flooded into Rome to beg the Pope to erase their sins from when Jesus came. So So many people. That's a lot of people. Pope's like, "Uh uh-uh. He's like, there you go, you're all blessed. Peace out, we're good. Leave. (laughs) Yeah. When going into the 1900s, it was called the Fantasy Egla. Yeah. Believed... The si- people believe that civilization was decaying due to books like Dracula and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Oh, God, not the books. Yeah, they, they probably thought that, like, and, like, Frankenstein, they're probably like, oh, my God, the monsters are going to This us woman all. wrote this? Oh, my God. <laughs> hey, you, you let a woman write a book, who knows what happens? Who knows who what knows? could happen? Yeah. Some believe that the new millennium would 
be a turn of heaven on earth, anticipating personal, social, political transformation into something that was more desired. And then if we didn't repent or change our ways, we were destined to disappear. Time Magazine uh, didn't help anything, and they actually fed into the frenzy when they published their issue on January 18th of 1999, which was their Y2K issue. The cover was a street scene of total chaos, which showed people who were scared, signs that said, panic, don't panic. The sign was dark. The sign was dark. The sky was dark and the air was smoky. And in the center is a Jesus-looking figure holding a cross in his right hand, wearing a white robe, and carrying a sign on his back that read, "The end of the world. Y2K insanity. Apocalypse now. Will computers melt? Will society? A guide to millennium madness." Here's that picture. That's bananas, isn't it? We Let's have post this. 11 months, but we're going to feed into it now. But we're going to start this now. Yeah. We'll post it on our social media. Everything escalated in the remaining months of the year. A movie came out, which was called Y2K. It was about the Y2K bug that triggered a nuclear missile threatening the world, which sounds like exactly what I'm terrified of. From the Russians. From Russians. Or other people, not specifically just Russia. Right. Maybe us. Who knows? Civil War. It's coming. There was also a made-for-TV movie, and in parentheses, Sammy put, look, Macy, I know what that is now. A (laughs) made-for-TV? Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Sammy wrote all these notes. (laughs) I was proud of myself. Like, I know what that is now. Made-for-TV movie. (laughs) A TV that was made, a movie that was made-for-TV, a TV that was (laughs) made-for-movies. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, which was called Y2K or Countdown to Chaos or Y2K the movie. All of the sources I found said different things. And when I looked it up online, it's it was so hard to find the exact one because I'm searching for Y2K made for movie, made for TV or whatever. TV made for movies. Yep. And right. I just kept coming up with the one that we mentioned before and then this one. And I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to put all the names and someone can figure it out. Cool. So this one was about the bug that causes a nuclear power plant meltdown threatening mankind. So, like, gigantic Chernobyl. Yes, gigantic. And then the movie The Matrix came out in 1999. Have you seen that? I have not. Really? No, and you'll see in parentheses later on where I say, like me, I've never seen The Matrix. Oh my gosh. Every time I ask Sammy this question about, like, most classic movies, she says, nope, I haven't seen that. I've seen The Shining. Okay. What Have other you movies? Seen, uh, Friday the Thirteenth. No. Have you seen The Matrix? No. You hadn't seen White Christmas until last night. Uh uh-uh. uh. You seen The Grinch? Which one? The one with Jim, Jim Carrey. Carrey. Unfortunately. See, that's the other thing. She doesn't like classic <laughs> movies. I don't like Jim Carrey. Oh, blasphemy! I, I feel like he's kind of like Will Ferrell, not like oh! as extreme as Will Ferrell. Blasphemy! Are we about to fight? Maybe. I like Jack Black if Jack Black was the Grinch. What? You like Jack Black I and you don't Jack like Black. Wolf. Okay. Anyways, it's Any Kung Fu Panda for me. That's where Jack Black won my heart. In a cartoon that he's not even, you don't even see him and you hear exactly. the voice. Yep. Oh my gosh, we gotta move on. <laughs> uh, the Matrix, which was not intentionally made because of Y2K, just happened to run along the same lines. Um, and then 
if you've never seen it, basically, according to the first thing that popped up on Google for Sammy, <laughs> The Matrix is about a man named Neo, who's played by Keanu Reeves, who believes that Morpheus, who's played by Lawrence Fishburne, an elusive figure considered to be the most dangerous man alive, can answer his question, what is The Matrix? Neo is contacted by Trinity, who's played by Carrie Ann Moss, who's a beautiful stranger who leads him into an underworld where he meets Morpheus. They fight a brutal battle for their lives against a cadre of viciously intelligent secret agents. It is a truth that could cost Neo something more precious than his life. So he basically has a choice at the end whether he takes a red pill or a blue pill and those determine like what his reality is. Uh-huh. So I guess that kind of runs along. Y2K stuff. A lot of people related it to Y2K, especially like conspiracy theories about. Really? Yeah. I've never seen it, so I really have no idea how it tied together, so I didn't really put more info. I haven't than seen what it in so long. Sources told me. Okay. I was hoping that you would be able to explain the blue pill, red pill scene because. Does that kind of explain it? He just chooses between everything. His realities. Everything about the Matrix is about the pill that he chooses to take. So the choices that he makes determine huh. his reality. Weird. I mean, doesn't that happen without pills for us? That's the point. Oh, yeah. This is awkward. It's a metaphor. This is awkward. <laughs> um, Y two K was even popularized by radio talk shows such as the show New Dimensions. Uh, there were commercials that used the Y2K hype to their advantage, such as Raid, which you might know for, like, pest control and bug control. They flipped the Y2K bug into a commercial to pr- promote literal bug killing. Unfortunately, there were also Y2K survival kits being sold. I totally would buy one of these if I could find one on eBay. Yeah. Oh. That'd be so funny. Oh. I thought you meant, like, for real, if when Y2K was happening, you would buy one. I'm like, no. 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 Now, for fun. Gotcha. Um, they're probably expensive. One Amish supply catalog sale. <laughs> the sales of one Amish supply catalog octupled, so multiplied <laughs> by eight. By eight. That's crazy. That is wild. That's a lot. Yeah, oh, just depending wait. on what their sales were. I mean, they're one catalog per year. They're like we sell catalogs. one table a oh, month. Yeah. yeah, right. Now we sold eight tables a month. Good lord. On December 23rd, U.S. gun background checks smashed the previous one-day record. The most popular gun sold was the Bushmaster Y2K Limited Edition Series AR-17, AR-15, <laughs> which has Y2K actually engraved on the gun. That'd be fun to find, too. It was like, they said it was like an inch away from the trigger, but I didn't know where an inch away from the trigger. So. <laughs> Up to the side? To I right, imagine it left, would probably would be on like the... That's not how it is. She's trying to, like, pretend hold a gun, and it's not <laughs> I don't correct. I don't hold a gun, I We'll promise. go ahead and go through an AR after I this. I feel like it was, like, on the shoulder thingy, the butt. That's not an inch away from the... But I was saying, like, on the whole piece. Never mind. We'll look at it. <laughs> there were stickers that people could put on their electronic devices that says that they were Y2K compliant once they were quote-unquote tested. And these were actually sold to people. Yes. Usually old people, and it was, like, a total scam. Yeah, totally. Like, um, one of the podcasts I listened to, which I'll talk about in a second, it, um, said that, like, people were putting this on, like, toasters. Like, how do you, 
how do you check a toaster to see if it's Y2K compliant? Do you have a toaster that connects to the internet? Because I Apparently don't. Apparently they did in the 90s. Really? I don't. Like you plug it into your phone. I think it was and all And when you make a call, it also <laughs> toasts your bread. And it also is holding up the dial you have to make, You have to make a long distance pull <laughs> to do bagels. <laughs> No, I think it was just part of the scam. Is like people were like, "Is your toaster Y two K compliant?" And people were probably like, "Oh my god, <laughs> oh god no, I have no idea." No, it's not. You know, people were just again didn't know anything about technology, so they probably were like, "Oh no, like let me get that tested too and give she you this blows much money." My mind. Yeah. Other crazy things happened um, on December fifteenth. Two thousand cult members appeared on an island in the Philippines out of nowhere because an earthquake forced them out of their elaborate tunnels that they built to escape the rain of fire that they expected on New Year's. Isn't that crazy? Bananas. The annoying part of everything Y2K was that countries like Italy, Russia, South Korea uh, had done pretty much nothing to actually prepare for Y2K. Which, they had no more computer issues than the US who spent millions of dollars to combat the Y2K fake issue. Yeah. According to Time Magazine, President Clinton had advised the government in mid-1998 to, quote, put our own house in order, and large businesses racked up an estimated expenditure of $100 billion in the US alone to prepare for Y2K. There was a nuclear facility in Ishikawa, Japan that had some radiation equipment fail, but backup devices ensured that there was no threat to the public. That's terrifying if you really think about it. Yeah, but at least they have those backup things in plan, you know? Right. Yeah. There's also a U.S. spy plane. Jesus. There's also a U.S. spy satellite system that went super haywire. Wind shear monitors at half a dozen airports shut down. And in 2005, NASA launched a probe named Deep Impact, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> which was used to bame, bame. I'm all like flustered now. Which was, <laughs> in 2005, NASA launched a probe named Deep Impact. Um, it's used to beam data back to Earth, like pictures of comets and things like that. And it did that for years. And in August of 2013 NASA lost contact with Deep Impact for weeks and they couldn't figure out why. Who cares? It's 2013. When they did, the problem was a computer glitch. Basically, the code only allowed for 32 digits to measure time down to the tenth of the second and the probe had gone over that limit so naturally it couldn't tell what time it was so it stopped working. Experts say that this glitch will be an issue in 2038 because non-NASA computers that use the current system will have a big problem. Guess what they're calling it? The Y2038 bug. Which makes sense because they actually had this happen with Yeah, so they have like a... So, (laughs) an actual reason to believe that something will happen. Right, because it did on this one, so... Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. I think it's funny that they call it that. (laughs) Um, In the end, for the original Y2K, we all know that nothing actually happened. But how did some people prepare for the end of the world? I'll tell you. Uh, After these short messages. I know, right? After our sponsor. I'm just kidding. We don't have sponsors. But maybe we will. Um, So, there was a lot of people (laughs) that believed different things. I'm going to talk about some people that took things a little bit more extreme. I got all of these stories from this really awesome podcast. It's called Headlong Surviving Y2K. And I think that they have a lot of other series, too, because they, they said that, like, this was the one season or something and they were like next season will be something else so i think headlong has a lot of like little mini 
episode cool like series things mm-hmm. that they do they did a really good job so i'm just doing the abbreviated version of these stories because they did this in like literally six hour long episodes and i'm doing it in okay so first we're going to talk about susan and tom Susan and Tom are two people who spent years preparing for disasters. They made a living preparing others for being preppers. Um, Tom believes that Y2K... Y2K? Did you say Y2G? <laughs> because the next word is gave. That's funny. <laughs> Y2G. No. Why- Tom believes that Y2K gave them an objective, but um, that doesn't make any sense why I wrote that. Now I understand your struggle with my notes. Yep. So they believe that Y2K gave them an objective, um, and they believe that the end of the world was inevitable, and so they wanted to be prepared. Not so much like a militia or like a governmental overthrow, more of like just being good stewards to the earth and loving nature. So basically they were like, wouldn't it be such a good time if we just got naked and ran into the woods? Toads. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't think that? Yeah. It all started on a trip where Tom dropped his bag off of a cliff where they couldn't recover it and he was worried because his food was in there and how was he going to survive their camping trip. So they started to learn how to survive off the earth. And after that, they ended up living technology free and outside for over 10 years. Too long. Could you imagine that? No. They didn't even wear shoes. Oh my god. I was just thinking about that when I went out to the car to get these notes out of my car and there was like ice. How fragile your feet are. And I went barefoot and I'm like, how did people do this? Yeah, I don't know. That's probably why people started wearing shoes for like ice and stuff. But if Mm -hmm. you're in a forest where like the worst thing you're going to encounter is like mud. So anyways, in order to like make a living, they taught survival classes and they're... Uh, one of their students actually brought them the rumors of the Y2K bug at the time. Like, imagine not having any technology and one of your students is like, hey, here's this thing happening in the real world. And you're like, whoa, whoa, <laughs> this thing that's all about the internet. And I don't care about that. Right. But they were excited. They wanted other people to be excited and they to, to basically, like, learn how to live on your own. And so the, their number of students increased at the survival school. And um, people were even flying in from all over the world. They were kind of impressed because even a Navy SEAL signed up. And they're like, well, shit, if he doesn't know how to do anything, then (laughs) I'd hope that he would kind of have the basics. Anyways, so basically the class is simple. It started out with students were allowed to take 10 things into the wilderness, but each day Tom took two items away, thus making the students create their own weapons, entertainment, and essentials until eventually they didn't have anything. And by that point, it was their hopes that they would have everything that they needed built. Um, Tom took the money that they earned and reinvested that into food to get ready for Y2K. Um, so Tom and Susan took inspiration from Apache scouts and their scout pits, and they did this for five years, like living and digging in scout pits. And so they claim that these scout pits that they have could keep about 200 people alive for 10 years. Wow. Isn't that insane? Yeah. So they even have scout pits in Mexico, and they have separated scout picks. Picks? <laughs> they took picks. Um, they have separated scout pits because secrets and every man for themselves like even being a married couple they don't trust each other with half their shit yikes i know (laughs) um so on december 31st um 1999 they were listening to the radio outside of the wilderness waiting for the end of the world and uh, obviously didn't happen so now they're ready for a different end of the world which they believe is mother nature and global warming so 
they're still preparing, but not in the same way. Right. So that was the story of Tom and Susan. Wasn't as crazy. That's why we started out with it. It's a little appetizer. Daza. Docile. <laughs> yes, a little docile. So let's talk about Dave Eddy. He also goes by Henry, and he claims that he is the reason why we call Y2K Y2K. Um, so basically he sent out an email where he was like talking to his bosses or something like that. And he was kept saying year 2000, year 2000. And eventually he said that he just got lazy and he just turned it into Y2K. So I'm sure, but here's the thing is like, that's not an uncommon abbreviation for 2000. Mm. So whatever. Anyways, he also runs a website called www.y2ktimebomb.com. I've searched for it. I can't find it. So if it does exist, that's cool. Dave also claims that he believes that Y2K never meant to be characterized as a bug because that means it was accidental, but he believed it was intentional. I don't know about that. Yeah. People create bugs all the time. Right. Yeah. But this was in 1999. Okay. 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 He also, you'll see, Dave's an interesting folk. He states that coders would talk about the idea of computers not being able to process the new millennium and would basically shrug and say, who cares? We'll all be flying jetpacks by that time. um, Because of, like, the surge and how fast technology was growing at the time. Uh, I can't imagine. Like, they they probably thought that was going to happen because it was just like, here's this new thing, here's this new thing, here's this new thing. And then it finally kind of plateaued, I feel like. And now we're like, here's the newest iPhone. How many times have we been like, oh, we'll have flying cars and meals in pill form? Yeah, never. No. Not yet, at least. Um, so, jokes on them. Anyways. But Dave saw this as an opportunity, and he became a salesman. And he took money from people basically by scaring them with this Y2K bug. He used this money to build a new product, which was Y2K focused, and it was basically... Um, this program was something that inventoried the software you already had and it took the software that you already had and it basically fixed the quote bug and it changed your year entry to four spaces instead of two. Right. So that that's what it did apparently. And uh, his first buyer, do you want to know who his first buyer was? Tell me. It was the U.S. Army. Shocker. Yeah. And they bought the program at $25,000, which was purchased with taxpayer money, which I just want to throw that in there because nothing happened with Y2K. So he spent $25,000 on nothing. Anyways, um, so he, he, this is literally the definition of a scam. He came up with this problem and then the same speech said, oh, and somehow I also have the solution. So like scamming 101. Right. So he came up with the problem that only he, you knew about, or he knew about, and he's the only one that knew yeah, how to make... It's yeah. just ugh, so fucked up. So yucky. Yeah, so yucky. But Dave believed his own story so much that for New Year's 1999, he went... Um, him and his family or whoever went down to Sturbridge Village in uh, Massachusetts, which is a colonial town where people would chum, ch- chum butter. <laughs> they would churn butter, um, grow everything for themselves, you know, like 1800 stuff. And um, Dave's theory was that if everything failed, he'd at least be somewhere that he could still get food and would survive. It's not a horrible idea. It's not. Um, He claimed that he was doing that just to wait out um, the bug or until they fixed it and that it wasn't a permanent solution. But we also thought that about COVID and here we are. So I don't know what he was thinking. It would be temporary and for how long, but 
Even though nothing happened, Dave thinks that what he did helped prevent anything from happening. Hmm. So he was just like, and nothing happened because I sold you the product oh that fixed God. it. Yeah. You're a narcissist. I know. And even during the interview, like the guy interviewing him was just like questioning him. And he basically was just like, you're stupid. And it's like, isn't that like what people do when they just run out of yeah. validation and they just start insulting you? Yes. I don't know. Sounds like some elementary school stuff. Anyways, that's basically it. Dave still thinks that he helped the world. <laughs> um, now let's go to Bob LeBlanc, which is the coolest name ever. Have you ever seen Arrested Development? No. There's literally a character that's named Bob LeBlanc. <laughs> and this guy has the same name. Um, so for Bob LeBlanc, he was one of those who knew Dave Eddy's made-up problem wasn't the case. He was a Canadian government coder. Um, his full name was David Robert LeBlanc, and he um, was working on how to show light on this hoax. So Bob, who was 22 at the time, he created a website about Y2K that you can even find now. Uh, we'll put the link of it in the bio of the show, but um, it's www.angelfire.com forward slash O H. Oh, forward slash, just a number forward slash. It's weird. Say (laughs) H-O? Backwards. I meant it backwards. O-H-O? No. No, I meant O-H, and then the word as whole is O. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense now that I'm thinking about it. We'll just put the link in the bio so you can just copy and paste, because I can't... (laughs) Anyways, um... This website has literally not changed since December 31st, 1999, and it's what you imagine a 90s website to look like, but Bob wanted it documented what the Y2K frenzy was about and the bug and everything, and um, he has, like, a whole bunch of, like, links that you can click on about, like, what's wrong with the bug, like, why it's not true, why this isn't true, why that can't be true, because right. um, he's like, I know coding, like, that's not possible. <laughs> But whatever. So um, he also did not change anything on the website for his credibility. He was basically like, not going to change a thing. This is it. Um, he also did all of this anonymous. Okay. So on New Year's of 1999, Bob was in his apartment with all of his computers. Apparently he had hundreds. I'm just kidding. That's not true. He probably had like three. Um, but he was just sitting there essentially to watch his computers and wait to see if that he was right and everyone else was wrong <laughs> and they were wrong and he was right um so on january 5th bob came out as a whistleblower in canada and they relished in him being right he also got fired from his job but boo, boo. um so the next one is a really 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 short story but this is kind of crazy there's this man named otis in kansas and he believed the Y2K bug so much that he bought 200 hamsters because he believed they reproduced so quickly he would never run out of fresh meat. How much meat do you think you're going to get off a hamster? Enough that he bought 200 of them. How much meat do you get off of 200 hamsters? I don't know. But isn't that A, kind of like gross to think about and B, like kind of also genius? No, it's not genius. What about rabbits? Rabbits is, are they better. They multiply faster. They do, but you have to have more space for them, so it depends on what... I mean, he had a bunker for his hamsters. So, but he also died of alcoholism, so. <laughs> um, they got his story third party from some person that, like, knew him. Oof. Anyways, on to the next. This one's pretty crazy. Um, the next person we're talking about is named Adair Levon. She was taught 
uh, with the Adventist church that the world was going to end no matter what. So stating when she was in school, they stated that only one in 10 Adventists would survive the millennium. So there was a class of 20 students and they're like, oh two of God. you are going to survive. Good luck. Yeah. Isn't that like the odds be ever in your favor? I know. That's like, such a Hunger Games thing to like tell people. Um, this was also seen in the, just a quick side note, this was also seen in the even evangelical church um their church services were geared towards preparing for the second coming of jesus and like they played like some of these um church services that they had and it's kind of scary they basically were like you're going to die are you ready to die like have you atoned for your sins it is so fucked up anyways um also another fun fact in 1993 time and scene scene and end scene and then Time and CNN polled the question, quote, will the second coming of Jesus Christ come around the year 2000, end quote. 20% said yes. That's one in five people. That is so many people. That's bananas. I know. Anyways, enough religious stuff, but still we're going to talk about it. Um, Adver lived... Adver... Adair lived in a converted hunting lodge before the Y2K frenzy. She and her family believed so deeply in the church that they sold everything and moved to Jerusalem to prepare for the second coming. Wow. Yep. Um, so they did this because they wanted to help move things along for the second coming. I don't want to, like, take away from this, but it's kind of like people who are going to protest the inauguration. <laughs> If we're going to go to Washington, D.C., if enough of us go, maybe they won't do it. Like, <laughs> can't stop the inevitable. <laughs> but they were doing the opposite. They were welcoming it. Wait, no, they were doing the same thing. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> if enough of us go, yeah, maybe it won't happen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so um, basically, Adair and her family wanted to search for the Ark of the Covenant. Do you know what that is? Yep. I don't. So um, they felt that trying to search for this thing, um, the Ark of the Covenant, I probably shouldn't call it this thing. They felt that this was their meaning and their purpose for their religion. They like felt like they had like some kind of pull toward it. So the Ark of the Covenant is the center of the Holy of Holies, which was God's seed on earth. It was a golden box and it has two angels on it and has rods going through it to be carried by four priests. And it had, according to the Bible, a pillar of fire above it at night and a pillar of smoke during the day. What is so funny? I didn't... Go ahead. No, it's funny. I just think religion is hilarious. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's like fun wizardry story time. Like, yeah. <laughs> These four dudes are going to come in with this big box and that uh, God is going to sit on a box? Like, what? It's, no, the, it's a, inside of the box is where the chair is, apparently, but no one's ever seen inside the box, so they no, don't know they say it's it. they say it's the Holy Grail, and some nobody knows what that is. They're like, oh, it's a cup, and that's right. normally what they think it is, but, like, who fucking knows? Who fucking like, knows? Oh, God, it's... Anyways. I mean, it's like witchcraft story time. I yeah, love I know, it. Right? It's so But, yeah, witchcraft funny. is the bad thing. This is what this is. I'll edit this to make it sound less. I mean, obviously, we're not religious people, but. Not, no. 
Anyways, so when they moved to Israel, they took new biblical names, which I am not going to pronounce or even try to pronounce. Most of them were like pretty simple. Anyways, but they had they had no home. They had nothing planned out. They just sold everything and moved to Jerusalem with nothing. So they ended up camping out in fields or caves. They even ended up staying in their church's cemetery for some time. Um, They just had their faith. They thought that their faith was just going to guide them to where they needed to go. They followed their faith so much, they started following their the Bible line by line. They rid their lives of modern technology like buses. They started riding camels and donkeys and wearing white robes and searching for the Ark of the Covenant. That was literally what they did. They had their donkeys and their camels and they had their like farm animals to supply for their food. And then they just wore their white robes and followed their, their Bible. Um, they went so far as to burn their passports and basically become illegal immigrants of Israel because they never went through the citizen process. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not me, but it is. Um, but they aren't the only ones running to Israel. Authorities deported dozens of Americans that were fundamentalist Christians. Um, The officials suspected that they were planning violent attacks, or I'm sorry, violent acts, same thing, to mark the new year. Um, Are we surprised? Uh, The people of Israel thought that since most Christians didn't believe in the link between apocalypse and the year 2000, but they would try to force God's hand to do so. Which is literally what you were just talking about. Um, The Levant family... (laughs) Thought they were so close to finding the Ark of the Covenant um, because they were decoding their Bible, but they, again, weren't the only ones trying to find it. So they were going on expeditions all over the holy city, and the Israeli government didn't approve of their amateur archaeology. It makes sense. No Um, way. No way. Isn't that (laughs) weird? Um, So you remember I made you watch As Above, So Below? Mm. Do you remember in the beginning of the movie, the main character, Scarlet, is looking for, I think it's, like, the original Rosetta Stone or something yeah. like that. And she's, I believe, in Egypt. Yep. And they they go into these underground tunnels to try to find it, and they're exploding the tunnels at the same time. Right. That's literally what I am imagining. Just <laughs> what they're having to go through between, like, the battling the Israeli government and trying to, like, excavate to find the Ark of the Covenant. That's what I'm imagining. Just mass chaos. Um, like, but we have the Bible right here and it'll tell us. The Bible tells us it's here. Oh, wait, no. Let me decode it again. It says it's here. Wait, no. That meant, they probably meant this, not that. It's here. Um, so Adair and her family started running into a lot more people who are religious fanatics and a lot of people claiming they were reincarnated Jesus Christ. Um, but in December of 1999, the family kind of turned the other way. They were discouraged by their inability to find the Ark of the Covenant. So instead they just started making their life there and surviving on small farm that they had created in these caves. They still followed their faith, but it just wasn't as deep. Um, so I think they were kind of just turned off by all these crazy people that they were dealing with that they thought were like reincarnated Jesus and stuff. And they're like, whoa, we're doing the they're same like, thing. They're like, you're nuts. But they're like exploding things to go. But then I think that I that. think that's what it was, is that they were reflecting and they're just like, oh, my gosh, how are we any different than them? So I think that that's why they kind of. That is a very kinda... like generous assumption. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so they, um... <laughs> That's ideal. They humbled themselves. That's an ideal outcome. Yeah. Uh, they kind of just hung out there. They didn't really care if it was the end of the world or not anymore. After the new millennium, 
they kind of have some drama and there's a lot more drama than what I go into. So if you guys are interested, you should watch the headlong podcast. Anyways, after all that, her husband left to go back to the U.S. to see family and he couldn't come back because, I don't know, they burned their passports. That does make it hard. That does make it hard. So Adair refuses to come back to the U.S. She likes Israel. Like, they settled a life there. They literally lived there for eight years. Um, But her husband called Israeli police to arrest her and took the kids away. Because they're still illegal. So, that's great. And, um, she basically was in prison for a week and was given the choice either stay in prison or go back to the U.S. to be with her kids. So, I mean, the choice is obvious. So she is that what to, she chose? She okay, went to, good. <laughs> yeah, she went back to the U.S. and to be with her kids. And eventually, she, I think, like, a couple years into living in the U.S., was still wearing her white robes. And it just recently, she finally started wearing jeans and actual clothes, and her family was, like, trying to integrate her back into, like, being a real, not a real person, but, like, it was even shocking for the kids, because they were, like, one of them was, like, elementary school age, and so by the time they came back, he was, like, in high school, and it's, like, a completely different culture, it's a completely different everything, and he had to, like, learn his English again, because they had learned Arabic. (laughs) Yeah. So imagine, I couldn't even imagine the crazy stuff um so that's it that's the story for adair levon wow i know that's religious taking a crazy toll um the next story i have is of dan taberski he is actually the host of headlong surviving y2k and he shares his own turn of the millennium story which is kind of crazy but also i really love this Long story short, he basically got married to a woman in 1998. He met her in college, and throughout his life, he was hiding a secret. Um, He was gay. And (laughs) like most closeted people, especially back then when it wasn't, I mean, I don't know because I wasn't somebody dating a person of the same sex back in the day, but I know that it probably wasn't as accepted as it is now because we still have struggles. Um, But... um, they found ways, he found ways to indulge his lifestyle of being gay. Unfortunately, this ended up giving him an STD. Hmm. And uh, he had subsequently given it to his wife. <sighs> and so he planned on breaking the news to her on the first day of the millennium. Oh He's like, maybe the world will end. Well, it was because like the days before <laughs> that, he was like, "Yeah, I totally have an STD and she's going to start feeling these symptoms and I need to tell her now. Yeah. Um, it turns out he did not have an STD. So he didn't give her an STD, but oh, he came out to her that he her? was gay. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, I oh, mean, like, it's not, a good oh, thing, no. but... Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. but, like... Ugh. I know. It was really... It was... I couldn't even imagine, like, having that feeling of being like, hey, I have to tell you something. I... Like, it's just sad because he was talking about it. He's just like, it's hard to tell somebody that you love that you don't love them the way that they love you. Mm-hmm. It's so sad. Anyways... He goes way more in depth about his story. I did a super brief cover of it because it's like his story to tell. And I just thought it was really cool for him to like be strong and be like, hey, I am gay. And now he's happy. Good. Yeah. He's been with his partner for 15 years, I think he said. Good for him. So there's even crazier stories. Are you ready? Yeah. It's another gay story. Sick. This is uh, Masha Gessen. She's from Moscow, Russia. So I'm probably not saying that correctly, but... That's what they said on the podcast. So, Masha Gessen, 
was in for a crazy new year. Her quest was to make a woman in Berlin fall in love with her. The idea was to lure this woman to move to Moscow with her. Um, Masha drove to Berlin and picked up her lady friend and drove back to Moscow, all during a snowstorm during Christmas time. So it was traffic and cold as fuck and dangerous as fuck, I'm sure. So just some history about Russia and the new year, because we know America and the new year. So let's talk about Russia. It's a big deal. The president makes a speech at that night, and basically the speech has to end right at the stroke of midnight. Hmm. Like, very Cinderella of them. Like, not a minute past. So they have to time it, their speech just right. Like, how hard would that be? Anyways, on the day of December 31st, President Boris Yeltsin, he quit. He literally was like, nope, I'm not doing this. And to pick his successor, according to the Y2K podcast, Yeltsin just points to a man in the crowd and he's like, yep, that guy's your new president. And that man happens to be Vladimir Putin. Shut up. (laughs) Um, Do you think that was planned? Okay. uh, Yeltsin (laughs) basically did this because his term was almost over. He feared that if he happened, um, that if his term happened, the opposing party would be able to persecute him. So in order to combat that, Yeltsin came up with uh, this plan that he was going to choose someone that would guarantee him immunity from prosecution. That person was Vladimir Putin. So um, it was definitely planned. He definitely planned to have, they ha- they like had these talks, basically, I back in the crowd. I no idea. Yeah, and he, I think that would be a cool story to cover, because yeah. it seems very juicy. But, like, yeah, he was just like, oh, that guy seems okay, but he, in the back, they're just like, meh. Right. We've planned all of this. I wonder what he was running from persecution from. I know, right? So, anyways, Masha, like many others, aren't exactly excited about this new choice. They were terrified, but at the same time, they weren't, like, wanting to flee Russia. Like, it was, it was like, scary, but it wasn't like, oh, fuck, we're gonna die or something like that, you know? She did end up leaving Russia, not because of, well, I guess kind of because of Poon, um, but there was, like, an anti-gay campaign that they threatened to take away her children. Um, but enough of that. Back to December 30th, 31st of 1999. Masha's love interest did indeed fall in love with her, and they ended up having a family by 2001, and that's the children that we just talked about. They had children together. So cute. Hmm. Like, what are the chances? Yeah. So this leads us to uh, two more women. We're going to start talking about Allison Dunn, but in order to talk about Allison Dunn, we have to talk about a man named John. And he was in Salt Lake City, Utah, and he owned the first site... He owns the first skyscraper that was in Salt Lake City, which is eight stories um, tall, and it was built in 1892. So, dang. In 1892, they had an eight-story skyscraper. Isn't that crazy? Um, So, that was even before Utah was a state. And it's in downtown Salt Lake City. Um, During renovation, after John purchased it, they found a time capsule that was placed in 1959. It wasn't a typical time capsule it had um less things about the past as it did about predictions about the future so that's kind of cool um most interestingly there was an envelope that held a savings account that had 50 bucks which in 2000 was when the year 2000 is equal to 243 dollars and 77 cents which is cool i guess um the savings account was to be given to the first baby born in the state of utah on january 1st of 2000 isn't that weird that people yeah. were thinking about this in 1959? They're like, in 41 years, yeah. I'm giving this to the first baby. 
That leads us to the woman I talked about, Allison Dunn. She was in her late 20s, and she did indeed live in Salt Lake City at the time. Apparently, there was a radio station competition um, about who was going to have the first Millennium Baby, um, which is kind of gross that there's a competition of people to mm-hmm. push something out of their bodies. But Allison unwittingly got pregnant. Her due date was January 4th. She thought these competitions were dumb, and she wanted to go to her friend's New Year's party, but her baby had other plans. Uh, she, around uh, 6, o'clock, 6 p.m. on December 31st, gives in and finally goes to the hospital. She fed, the hospital fed into the Y2K baby hype. They put their money on Allison. They basically were like, this girl's gonna have the fucking millennium baby. <laughs> Apparently... In the same hospital, there was another woman who had a doctor that birthed the 1980 baby and the 1990 baby. Hmm. So he had a good track record of, like, making sure he had the first baby of the decade. Right. But this wasn't of the decade. This is of the year. Millennium. Yep, millennium. <laughs> <laughs> and the year. Uh, the millennium year. So, finally, Allison is starting to feel the competition, and she wants to have her baby be the first one into the new year. Um, but her competition is named Natalie Shepard. So she's like, yo, let's just have this Millennium baby. Yeah. And um, there's another girl that uh, we just talked about had the decade doctor. She wasn't supposed to have that doctor. Her or The, the woman was named Natalie Shepard. She wasn't supposed to have that doctor. Her doctor was out of town. And um, she just so happens to get that doctor that... His birth is a 90s and 80s baby. So he's like, yo, I got this because I got two women who are pretty close. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Dr. Stephen Terry. I don't know if that matters, but it's so intense for Natalie that the nurse was up on top of her trying to push her baby out. Oh, my God. Yeah. Isn't that gross? Like, trying to push her out like a tube of toothpaste. Um, <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's how in it the doctor was. Blech. Ugh, gross. I would be like, you're ripping me. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so, Reason 658 why I don't want to be the one who gets pregnant. Okay. Anyways, Natalie's baby came out at 11.59 and 50 seconds. But it didn't fully come out because Dr. Terry held in the baby's feet inside of her until midnight. So technically, according to whatever birthing laws apparently there are that the baby wasn't completely born until half a second after midnight because he pulled it out. So Allison's baby was born a second after midnight. So no holding in the feet, nothing. The baby just came out a second after midnight. Her baby was named Cameron. Natalie named her baby Brinley Millennia and they spelled it wrong on accident. So oh. they didn't put the two ends. It's funny. Anyways, Shepard, uh, Natalie gets the time capsule money because her baby was technically born half a second before Allison's. But Allison and her son Cameron are both like, I'm the real millennium baby. Yeah. There's no doctor holding me in there, bullshit. Yeah, no. Isn't That's that kind crazy? Of Isn't it super yeah. fucked? I mean, honestly, it's what, like $200? But really, yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, Come on, let's be moral people here. I wonder how he got the 80s and the 90s babies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm He's holding his feet. <laughs> I got this, guys. Hold on. Gross. Anyway, You just get up there and push and I'll wait. And I'll wait. <laughs> I've got the last story. Are you ready? Yeah. 
Meanwhile, in Olith, Kansas, I think that's how it's pronounced, there's a Bank of America branch that Bank of America branch where things were getting quite intense and not the camping intense. So Ron was a teller at that location and Becky was an assistant branch branch manager. They didn't know what to expect, like as a bank, because they were preparing for people to run in and panic about their money. So they put in extra money in the vaults for people wanting to withdraw their bank accounts. And they had like extra stuff, just extra everything. They had extra stuff, you know. Makes sense. And they were slammed. Slammed the entire day until they started, uh, when they closed at se- at 7, at 15, oh my god, I can't even. 5 o'clock. <laughs> when they closed down at 5 p.m., um, Becky, at the time, was helping the tellers out front, and Ron was also out front, and he recognizes a young woman that walks in, and um, he recognized her because he used to work at a juvie detention center. Oh, oh no. Foreshadowing. So, um... This woman who walks in is robbing the bank. She, her name is Nikki, and she's twenty three, and she held a gun to Becky's head, and she um wanted the money from the vault. And the vault, the money was given to her in a bag, and she didn't care what kind of money. Like the tellers were like, "Do you want the one dollar bills?" And she's like, "Just put it all in there." And eventually, she the bag was so heavy. That she couldn't pick it up because she wanted all the ones and stuff. Oh, my God. And so she demanded that Ron would carry the money out for her. So they went out to the lobby into the front doors only to find the police. Oh, no way. No way. It's weird. So they find the cops. Um, so now it's a hostage situation with 16 people in the bank where she's like, we're not leaving this bank. I have a gun. Um, she Her only demand was to talk to her boyfriend, Sean. That's he's all like, she wanted. He's like, oh, God, what are you doing? <laughs> You're supposed to be at this party. We're going to go together. <laughs> you were supposed to bring the booze. I pre-game. And you were supposed to drive. Now what am I going to do? I know. Damn it, Sean. Um, I mean, damn it, Nikki. <laughs> um, the police were like, mm, yeah, she could talk to him if she were, he were. This is my synopsis of the events <laughs> of the, events of the negotiation, okay. Okay. which is why I wanted to read this part of this <laughs> Okay, Okay, so this is what I say happens. It's not exactly what happens. There's more talk. But the police were like, yeah, she can talk to him if she releases everybody. And Nikki's like, nah, I'll do one. And the police are like, cool, let one go and we'll talk. And then they can talk on the phone. And then Nikki's like, nah, I want to talk to him in person. The police are like, nah, that's not going to happen. So this goes on for hours, just, like, back and forth. And it's now 10 p.m., and a few hostages end up being released. Um, and some apparently snuck out the back that she didn't even realize were there. So she's a great person to be robbing a bank. Criminals are not smart. Yeah, she wasn't smart at all because they had said that she was, like, asking for, like, the videotape footage. Like, she was asking for all of these things. And, like, I don't know. I feel like as a person who doesn't typically rob banks... I would imagine if I were to, I would get the cash and run. Yes. Because, like, now you're holding up time for, I don't know, the police what do you to show up. What's going to happen? They're just going to be like, we're going to come to a deal and you can leave? Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. So that was her mistake, number one, was that she wasn't trying to get in and out. She was, like, trying to make sure she covered up her bases, which isn't what you do for a bank robbery. <laughs> um. Anyways, so. They finally get Nikki's boyfriend on the phone, and um, Sean is able to, like, talk to her, and Nikki's, like, you can hear the phone calls of, like, Nikki being, like, Becky, go, like, you can leave, but Becky's, like, no, I'm not leaving without my employees. Um, so, but 
Nikki ends up holding up her end of the bargain this conversation. She lets two other people go. So now she's down to three hostages. The store manager, um, John Ann, and Becky and Ron. At this point, it's been seven hours. And they've apparently all become friends. Like... They're talking to each other. They know all of her problems about, like, all of the things that she's dealing with, why she needs the money, all of these things. And um, they finally let uh, – Becky finally agrees to leave, and it's just Ron and Johnny and the store manager. So at the seven-hour mark, the FBI is now there. So that's cool. And Nancy is. This new woman who I will introduce to you is a hostage negotiator. She tries to work – she tries to work her negotiator magic, but it doesn't really work. At first, Nikki doesn't buy it. She is like, nope, you're just blowing smoke up my ass. I don't believe you. So it's been seven hours and Johnny Ann is so bored, she does some work. And it was basically a Y2K checklist that most businesses needed to complete to check the damage of the Y2K bug. So she had to do that the next morning, but she's like, it's after midnight. So I'm just going to do it now. Basically, Nancy's going back and forth with Nikki and listening to it on the podcast it's kind of cringy (laughs) the things that like nancy does i'm like you think that i don't think that a negotiator should say those things but i'm not a negotiator so what do i know um so they go back and forth nikki keeps hanging up keeps hanging up keeps hanging up and nancy calls again to speak to johnny ann with a made-up story saying that johnny ann's family is sick and they were using that to try to get nikki's to sympathize and let her go um, while Nikki tries to find a pen to tell Johnny Ann what to say, and she sets the gun down on the desk. And Ron grabs the gun, and how the turntables. <laughs> how the turntables. <laughs> um, so Nikki jumps on Ron, fighting for the gun, and Nancy can hear everything over the phone. And Ron manages to throw the gun to Johnny Ann, who is able to grab the gun, and she runs out of the police, out of the police department. She runs out of the bank, which is maybe not the best idea, because then, um... Guess what? The bank is surrounded by. <laughs> yeah. So then she gets swarmed by the SWAT. Police. Yeah, she gets yep. swarmed by SWAT, and they are, like, literally, like, dumb, like, get on the ground, like, yeah. cop stuff, because yeah. she's got a gun, and she's yeah. running towards them. She complies. Mm. Um... So she's fine. She complies. She gets out. Um, but, and Nikki gets arrested and Ron and Johnny and are okay. Um, and this ended an hour into the new year. That's crazy. Wow. So, yeah. Um, what? That's it. That was a crazy story, isn't it? That was. I think that was the best one. So that's why I saved it for last. That was awesome. Yeah. That was bananas. Isn't it? Could you what imagine spending your new year Locked up in a bank. Being a hostage. Yeah, being a hostage. (laughs) And being a hostage that's so bored that she just starts to do work. No. No. (laughs) Like, I'll just tippity-tap on my program on my computer. Yeah. Whatever. No, I can't Mm -hmm. imagine. Nope. So, what do you think is right? Do you think Y2K didn't happen because it just wasn't going to happen? Or do you think that the things that we did prevented it from happening? No. No, I think it was never going to happen. Yeah. Absolutely not. I think we didn't give computers enough credit. Like, Correct. We, we like, tell it to count from 1999 to 19... Wait, no. We tell it to count from 96 to 97 to 98 to 99, and we didn't think it was going to count to 2000. That makes no sense. And I understand that it was, like, in two-digit algorithms, but, like... But also, like, why would that make the computer blow up? I don't know. <laughs> Like, even if it thought it was 1900, who cares? It doesn't equate 1900 right. to in 2000. Like, it doesn't, it's not like it's going to go back to the day of 1900 and be like, oh, wait, you should be churning butter. 
<laughs> you shouldn't be on this computer. It's a time machine on the side. Yeah, that makes no sense. Like, the computer does not care what year it is. It's just, yeah. a, it's the same thing as, like, when you open up a computer that you haven't opened up in a while and the date's wrong, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like, just change the date. Weird. It's so easy. Yeah, but maybe they didn't have that back then. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think people are afraid of what they don't know. True. So. Agreed. That was good. Yeah? You did great research. Thanks. It was I a lot of fun. I did not contribute in the least. That's okay. We'll have an episode where you do all the research and yeah. I'm going to be reading your notes being like, this is, this didn't make sense. It didn't make sense. <laughs> you need a comma. Come here, you. You need a comma. <laughs> it's a stream of consciousness sometimes. Yeah, I get it, but. Come on, Ron. Um, that's all we have, right? Yeah, that's it. Happy Just New like Year. Crazy Y2K stuff. Welcome yeah. to 2021. Find us on Instagram at Who New Podcast. You can find us on Gmail if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or anything you'd like us to cover, or just want to chit chat with us at Who New Podcast six 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 at gmail dot com. Hippers, we have our Patreon that you can find us at Who Knew, and you can select tiers of membership levels if you would like to join us. We're um, in the works of trying to partner with one of our good friends and artists to help make some of the merchandise and stuff, so that's really exciting. And there should be some good stuff coming out, so 10 out of 10 recommend that if you're able. If not, that's fine. It's not a big deal. No, not at all. We, I mean, we still have our jobs, so. Yeah. We're yeah. good. We're good. Do you want to okay. say bye, Ronnie? Ronnie wants to say happy new year. She's what? She's sniffing She's the... She's like... Oh, what? she just licked the microphone. Sick. Did That's you hear perfect. That? I don't know. We'll find out. <laughs> bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>